Welcome, welcome, everybody, to another great episode of the Beyond Normal podcast. I'm your host, Kenny Groom. I have a very special guest. Uh, this is this episode is going to be a, a good one for all the business owners to listen into. Uh, my guest today is uh, Shiloh uh, Johnson. She is the founder of Compliant, uh, which is managing taxes for your small business, making it easy. Uh, we all know that uh, taxes can be complicated, but they're out here to make it really simple for all of us business owners out here. So without further ado, I want to bring Shiloh to the stage. How's it going, Shiloh? Pretty good. Thank you for having me. Definitely, definitely. Um, so appreciate you coming on our platform. Uh, I'm so glad that I myself found your your business. And uh, so I want to... Uh, you know, set the stage for the, the folks who are going to uh, who are listening in, you know, let folks know a little bit about a Shiloh prior to you wearing this founder hat uh, starting compliant. Sure. So prior to compliant, I was working in basically the corporate side of tax accounting. Um, I basically was doing everything that I, that we built the tool to do except for large corporations. So think about like legacy companies that have been around for hundreds of years and have multi-tiered entity level and structure where there's lots of taxes per entity. I was a part of those sort of tax compliance teams. I did that for 14 years. I went to school actually for accounting. I went to graduate school for tax. And then I left that and started my own tax practice and started to um, support sort of, I was doing like a business management entertainment focus and then sort of got weeded into helping small businesses because people would be coming to me asking for me to help them with these sort of really crazy issues, but they basically didn't have the financial resources to support my fee structure. So I had, you know, tens of years of experience at the time and I, you know, degrees and like the whole nine I was like I can't do this for you for free so I was looking around for tools that I could send people to technology that I could help people like sort of help themselves um, and I couldn't really find anything so that's ultimately what got me to starting compliant oh can't hear you appreciate you giving us that background there Shiloh uh, I myself uh, have uh, gone through the process of doing the uh, the state taxes, getting your EIN number and all these things. And so I get these, I get this number, this ID number. I'm like, okay, what now? Yeah. And uh, keeping up with it on your own as a business owner can be very, very overwhelming. So can you talk a little bit about like the, like how a business owner, like how, how they log in and then how they get started with, with yeah. the platform because I think it's it, it, it's simple but it's effective yeah so I'll take you a little bit back a bit and just talk about the structure of taxation and like the platform goes hand in hand with education constantly because there's this sort of cycle of like you don't know what you don't know Every, everybody says that to me all the time it's like I had no idea I was supposed to do that where is the manual that says that these things are required there isn't one so essentially, you started an LLC, most people, you know, whenever they start up, whatever they're doing, so prop corp, whatever the structure is, you get your tax ID number, and then you're like, mm, I don't know, we'll see if someone sends me a notice or something, maybe I'll do what I'm supposed to do later. Or if you're lucky enough, you have maybe like someone helping you. Um, but even then, that still doesn't cover the gamut. So a small business may have to cover basically seven different types of tax. So you think about payroll tax, annual reports, business licenses, 
um, franchise tax if it applies, federal and state income tax, sales tax. It, there's a lot, business personal property tax. All of these things apply to what a small business may have to pay, no matter if you are hugely successful or if you barely made any money. So, and that's also a, a massive misconception. So we take the business after they register for whatever their entity structure is, and we basically have them log in, they answer a few questions, and then a custom tax calendar is created for them. And based on the, the questions that they answered, where they're doing business, how they're doing business, and so forth, then the calendar populates with every type of tax that applies to your business structure and the cadence of how often you should be filing and paying. Um, and so that's sort of the core of the tool. What you would have done before this is you would have hired a CPA and asked them to tell you, based on my company, what am I supposed to be doing? And then the, the accountant would then go do like a memo and they would do some research on your business and where you're doing business and then return back to you after you paying a couple thousand dollars, this structure of what you're required to do and how you're supposed to do it. What's happening now, most business owners that are starting up with like a dollar and a dream, they're not really doing anything. And then they're like getting these letters later on in the year that says, hey, you're supposed to have a business license in the city of San Francisco. And you're like, I didn't know, no one told me. And then they'll get a notice that says, hey, you need to file with the state of California, your annual report. And you're just like, what even is that? So that there creates this sort of repetitive mist, like all these deadlines and all of this, like these penalties that you end up having to pay because you don't really know what is real. You don't know what's fraud. You don't know what you actually have to pay. You don't even know how much you're supposed to pay. So there's just sort of, a lot of blind wavering and so the tool serves as like backup support for you for that issue if you think about it as long long answer long sorry about that but basically that's what you get shallow i feel like i, I need to have a notebook out uh, i did <laughs> not know that there were seven types of uh taxes they um, are that's basic too i'm not even going into the deep stuff where there's like fire permits and police permits and like, you know, fees based on your in industry. And like, there's all types of, I mean, just, yeah, it's a mm -hmm. lot. And it's so like, these are things like there, there there's debates now, right. About like uh, what kids should be learning in like uh, yeah. high school and middle school. Yeah. I'm yeah. curious, like, what are your thoughts like around like the education piece for the, of this? Because yeah, they're like business owners are just out here like they're just trying to make it like you said that dollar and that dream but then there's yeah. all this stuff that's like fighting you so uh, yeah. what are your thoughts around educating uh, business yeah. owners maybe earlier on in their life or throughout the process yeah I think now more than ever I have older kids and it feels like entrepreneurship is happening a lot younger people are you know starting companies based on content production and they're doing that at five, six, seven, eight, nine years old. We're talking about children creating content, full, you know, influencers from toddlers, animals that are like influence accounts. So there definitely can be a space where education on finance period should be happening a lot younger. I know when I was in high school a bazillion years ago, we had government and econ. Econ was a semester long and all they talked about was like the treasury department. Like there was no real life like how do I apply this to my life? It was just a lot of like history and structure the way the government works. And while that's great, that isn't tangible things you can use when you leave high school. So now you're leaving high school and you're trying to think about what you're gonna do with your life. Maybe you go into college, maybe you don't, maybe you start a business or you know, your dance starts popping on TikTok and you're a full full blown creator. You are now a business owner. Content creators are business owners. Even if they don't have a registered LLC, you're still a business owner. You're just operating as a sole proprietorship. That's the thing I think people miss is like that basic education layer that even if you don't go get a tax ID number, if you earn money 
under your name, you're a business owner, period. <laughs> like you don't need to register for anything to be considered. Side hustlers are business owners. They're just not legally registering and protecting themselves as best as they could. I think there needs to be a lot more fundamental education just around entrepreneurship in general, um, around understanding how the government structures those requirements if you are an entrepreneur. My dad calls me for advice. He's like 70 and he started a construction business very late in his life. And he's like, I had no idea roll tax. Like, you don't have to think about payroll tax when you're a W-2 employee. It happens for you. But when you start working for yourself, that doesn't happen anymore. You now are required to cover that in some degree if you have employees or if you start paying yourself out of regular payroll. So definitely think it should be happening much, much earlier. Middle school, we need to be talking about tax structure, entrepreneurship, setting up entity structure. Yeah, a lot more real-life education, 100% advocate for that. that that's... Uh... Like you dropping gems, like this is premium. <laughs> like this is this is this is what people, like he said, this is what people yeah. pay CPAs. I don't yeah. even know if CPAs are hourly or they they do like you know uh, quotes based off of the job, but I'm pretty sure yeah. it's a premium service. Absolutely, right? CPAs are extremely expensive, especially good ones. That's a tricky thing too. It's like law. It's like lawyers. You can always find a shyster lawyer, cousin Jojo, that went to law school and very barely passed the bar and like will charge you $10 and a chicken meal to like set up your trademark. It might not be right, but that's basically the, the finagling or the sort of the finessing you can get in the CPA industry too. So getting your CPA just means that you're licensed to practice in a certain state, right? You're licensed to be a financial advisor within or a certified public accountant. You actually can fill out tax returns and, you know, that you can defend someone and audit if, if they're audited. That's basically what it means. But it doesn't necessarily mean that they are ethical. It doesn't mean that they're worth their weight in salt. And those folks that are, they're not cheap. You're talking about $900, $1,000 an hour for a really good licensed, you know, practicing CPA. And then underneath that, you get all these people that are like, I do taxes. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that means, sir. <laughs> uh, I can bookkeep for you. And that doesn't help me. Bookkeepers don't do tax. And, and to be very fair, you don't even need a bookkeeper. There's so many tools you can do it yourself. Like, so there's, you, know, you have to be really careful when, you know, all services and good service and maybe sometimes even expensive services aren't always worth it, but just, you know, doing your background homework and double checking on the people that you're hiring to work for you. But that's what I think brings me back to what I do and what I love about what I do is I try to support and educate people that don't have the resources to pay for a CPA. Because I think all the content you get on like blog posts and a lot of the stuff that's out there is for people based on the fact that they can afford to hire someone for a thousand dollars an hour or five hundred dollars an hour. Most dollar and dream folks can afford that so they end up not doing anything and then end up paying more than they would have paid if they just would have gotten the help or taken some effort to get it done right the first place. Yeah, I, I, I love that focus um, for, for, for you bringing that to like bringing it to the masses, right? People just starting out like they still they can go through this journey and be prepared, like you said, and protect themselves. Yeah. You touched on something, though. So I didn't know CPAs like were that expensive. It almost yeah. makes me wonder. Um, Good ones are. And I you yeah. can find somebody that's like ten ten dollars an hour. I wouldn't go to them if I were you. <laughs> got it. Got it. Got it. It makes me wonder why I didn't pay attention more in accounting one on one. Okay. Business facts, business majors, all the young folks at college listening, if you're a business major and you have to take that accounting class you hate, make notes, keep the book, highlight. You're going to need all of that later. It's not yeah. useless. I promise you. I was one of the ones where I was like, 
why are they why do I have to take this class? Like <laughs> and now to the point now where it's like you have you have assets, you have all these different things that are in the play. Yeah. Don't 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 like that's with the business by itself. Then you get to the personal, yep. and there's like this muddying you know, this gray area that yep. we're all in now. You had crypto and all these other new yep. assets that are out here. Um, so it's ex- an exciting time to be a CPA. <laughs> For certain. I like yeah. to say it's a recession-proof career. That's yeah. why I picked it. I needed something that I knew I was always going to have a job. I, at the time, I was a young mom. I couldn't afford to not work. So it was like, oh, I need to make sure that I will not be fired if there's a recession. And that was tax. It's recession-proof. So Yeah, you always need accountants. Like, yep. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a good point. So you touched on... Uh, this being a premium field, but yet in your business model, uh, one of the things that fascinates me is that you you have it where people can start out using your service for free, like get set up and do a couple of things. So talk a little bit about um, like why you chose that path and, you know, what, what are you seeing for, for the folks who are initially getting in there? Like, you know, how they're, how they're, how they're using the tool. Yeah, I didn't want to scare people away. Um, I think there's a ton of pieces of software you can buy when you're just starting out. There's like, do I need MailChimp? Do I need HubSpot? Do I need, you know, all these things that manage, you know, some version of what you need to run your company. And so you can kind of get worn out. You're like, do I need QuickBooks? I don't know. Is this like QuickBooks? Do I need this? So I wanted to make sure that I had an offering that was free so that people could see ultimately what the the basic, basic, basic piece of the tool is and find it valuable. And then if they do, great, come use these other things that we also do. But just wanted to make sure that at least at the very minimum, if you're one entity and one person, you could at bare minimum, at least see the tax calendar and understand that if you don't get anything else from compliant, you get that you're going to have to pay more than income tax. Like, if that's all you walk away with, I'm happy that you know, that it's not a surprise to you when the state of Delaware sends you a notice that says you owe $30,000. And you're like, I didn't make any money. Yep, had you logged back into Kamala, you would have known that. Like, so there's just these little things that like, I don't want business owners to get tripped up behind that. I have met personally people that were charging sales tax on their invoices and then keeping the money. And they were keeping the money because they'd read somewhere on their own that food wasn't taxable. But what they missed was that once you cook the food, it becomes taxable and that doesn't apply to you. So they were like, oh, I don't have to pay. Yes, you do. And further, you can't charge people tax and they keep it. That's illegal. So there was this, and then she ended up having to pay a ton of money. So there's just all of these like caveats where people are just kind of like, I don't know what to do. I can't really afford. So I wanted to make sure that at the bare minimum, they could at least get access to the chat platform. They could get access to Q&A, asking questions if they needed to. They would be getting an influx of content coming in the newsletters, coming in our blog posts. Um, coming in access to webinars so that if nothing else for free, you're going to get the basic information. So that was my goal with, with the free tier. No, that, that is, uh, that's fire. What you're, <laughs> what you're doing there for sure. And, and like you said, you touched on something very important, not scaring people away yeah. um, from a topic like this, where it's so, it's such a great area. It's essentially a black box for a lot of us in our communities where we grew up in for whatever that, whatever that reason is. You know, like, so we got to figure out how to make it cool somewhat, but just give people that opportunity to really digest it at their own pace. So I love that. that like, if, like you said, you're doing blog posts, you're doing webinars and things like that, finding, you know, bringing it to the masses in the ways that, you know, they want, they want to digest it. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that's where we miss participating in wealth creation is um, business wealth growth is very different than personal sort of wealth, asset wealth growth. When you're, you know, using a business vehicle to like grow your personal wealth, there are compliance requirements that live under your business that you can't just create an LLC and then do all these things and then shrug your shoulders. In fact, the likelihood that you'll be audited as a business is a lot higher than if it is if you're just like W-2 income, like a traditional, you know, employee. And so while it, it's so attractive on Instagram to have an LLC, and that is every post that you see, it's start your LLC now and then put it in your child's name and then go get a tax ID number and then use it for your credit. It is not, that is not the truth or the single truth that you should live by, right? While all those things can be true and you can build wealth those ways, there are compliance requirements that come with that, that will, you will be penalized by. If you're not aware that it's not just a money grab, all things come with a right. Left always comes with the right. You can't just make money and then have no compliance requirements. And then we hear like in all the rap songs and everywhere, like, oh, I didn't, taxes were zero. I ain't paid taxes and that, that, that. Yeah, they're absolutely right. They didn't like pay personal tax. That's because everything is funneling through their company and their company runs a very consistent tax compliance structure so that they don't get penalized on their personal tax. And we miss that entirely, mm. <laughs> entirely. Oh, that's that's you you digging into something there. That's uh <laughs> the topics, those are the topics you were actually you, you actually got ahead of me because I was just about to ask you, <laughs> like, would it like why are we behind the ball? But you really yeah. just like you touched on a lot where you know we got some catching up to do. Certainly. So it we gotta have platforms out there that help us close yeah. the gap um when when it comes to that wealth creation and and, and you you breaking it down like there's differences between business and personal wealth. Yeah. That that's that that that's key. And that's something uh I myself I learned later later than I would have liked to yeah. uh, ha have known that. I'm curious. So you have your personal brand at Shiloh, you have mm -hmm. compliant. Yeah. Like for you, like this business, which is a growing successful business, is a large part of of Shiloh, like mm -hmm. your your brand. So I'm curious, like, how do you yeah. do you do you even look at it separately? Like you being, oh, yeah. you, you 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 see the difference between the business and Shiloh. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And you have to. When you're a founder, there, you know, your sort of money making opportunities get split a bit. So while I do get a traditional paycheck from my company, I also get, you know, speaking engagement fees or, you know, you write something for someone, they pay you. So there's other opportunities for you to make money outside of um, just running the company. And all of that actually lives under a trust. I don't actually get any money. Shiloh Johnson is a poor woman. Um, but Shiloh Johnson's trust is a-okay. And I did that also because I have children. So I didn't want, and this is something so off topic, but I just have to address it. Um, I, I think people don't take into account like how their wealth will survive them. So they don't set up their life in a way that is conducive to passing anything on to anyone else. And I don't just mean life insurance, I mean your assets, right? So when Meemaw passes away, everybody's fighting for Meemaw's car and her house. But if Meemaw had a trust and a will, no one would be fighting for anything because it would be preset and that's it. No discussions needing to be made. And so that's basically how I set my entire life up. It lives under a trust. 
And then through the trust, there are companies, LLC structures, there's lots of things within it, but it lives such that if something were to ever happen to me, my children don't have to worry about what do we do with mom's things and how do we figure this out? It's all been preset for them. And further, it allows me to delineate and benefit from some of the sort of taxing structures that I wouldn't otherwise been able to do if I didn't have sort of that protective structure. Um, So I just think um, thinking about the way we make money is the biggest shift when we're talking about wealth creation for black people. It isn't necessarily like go start a business. It's just literally, it's the way that you think about making money, right? Like what we were taught before is you labor, you work, you labor and you get a paycheck and that's how you make money. But what has to shift a bit is not labor and then make a check. It is how do I use the assets that I own to then make money off of it, allow it to make money for me, right? And thinking about wealth creation beyond just I did a service, I got a check, right? It can also be I own certain things that are valuable that I can rent or resell or um, loan out. I have a talent, I can sing, dance, tap, that I can now sell, lease, or license. I have an art that I can license that someone else can then make. Like I was having a conversation with the founder of Afro Unicorn and she ended up licensing, getting a, like a license deal with Walmart. And she was telling me that a lot of people don't understand that like when you buy brands like Louis Vuitton or whatever, they're not at Louis Vuitton like sewing up your purse, it's a licensing deal. And then they sell that licensing deal to a distributor and the distributor makes the product and then sells it. And then you get a piece of that sale. And I think people only think about, well, I have to like have a brick and mortar store and sell a pin. You actually can license the rights to use the logo that is on the pin, right? So it's just thinking about how you can sell the assets that you have as a person, what your talents are, your skills are. It doesn't necessarily have to mean just real estate. We are so talented as a culture. We should definitely be learning how to use that in ways that we can actually allow it to generate wealth and then participating in the compliance side of the wealth. That's what we love to do. We love to hustle. We'll do all the scams and all the money grabs. And then we don't want to do any of the legality requirements to allow that thing to keep floating, right? That's the thing we miss. We want to make it, but we don't want to participate in the compliance side. And then you make that money, it's not going to live very long. Now you're in the news because you owe 30 years of back taxes and you're about to go to jail like that. That's how we keep getting caught. Yeah, we we see the stories like like you mm-hmm. said, like just just having those things in order, those, those ducks in a row, mm-hmm. uh, makes it a lot easier uh, for the family uh, for yes. sure. Um, so you touched on uh, you're you're leveraging compliant and the success um, to you know, like you said, you're doing speaking engagements, you're you're, you're spreading the word about being compliant to the world, right? Like you're, you're doing your, your, your part with that. And I think uh, with that, that comes opportunities that probably even grow compliant even more when it comes to investors Absolutely. and funding. Yeah. Um, I know you, you were, you were highlighted on the Forbes, the, the next 1000. Oh, so having these, yeah. having these accolades, having this recognition come along, how does it help you position compliant to, you know, be, be where you want it to be? At whatever that North Star is like for you. How, how does all this factor back into uh, pushing the business forward? Certainly. Um, so the tricky thing about recognition and like press and things like that, it serves one purpose to me. 
I certainly don't care if anyone knows who I am ever in life. I can live my whole life and no one ever know who I am from a can of paint. But the tricky thing about that when you're growing business, especially a brand, is you have to be visible because people want to attach a face to something. And it can't just be an empty face. They want to know who's behind whatever brand. you know, putting their money, you know, in a space where they feel committed to whatever the business's, you know, goals or beliefs are. So you have to be present at least enough to be able to communicate, you know, your brand opinion, what your values are, and, you know, what, what, what is your stance behind diversity? Are you hiring in ways that are equitable and things like that? So I think that piece of it is extremely important in terms of recognition is being able to put a face to the name. I also, very specifically being a Black woman, need other little girls, other Black people, period, to see that it is very possible for us to participate at the highest levels. It's very possible for us to raise money. It's very possible for us to get those valuations. It's very possible for us to build that wealth. Um, and so that to me is extremely important in terms of like building brand recognition and being visible. And then the other piece of obviously is to keep going, right? So investors invest in businesses that they hear about, see about, and have been able to like participate or watch the success of. If you're quiet and you're quietly building and nobody really knows that you're doing anything, it's very hard to continue to raise, right? People, once I made the announcement we raised at the end of the year last year, our seed round, and once I made the announcement, I had all this inbound from all these investors that were like, oh, we went to a meeting, we went to a meeting. These are people who did not know who I was prior to that announcement. So it's like being able to be visible and talk about what you're building, how you're hiring, um, what your company culture is, all of that helps not just for fundraising, but also for hiring to get like more talent in. Because once you get the money, you now have to put it somewhere to make sure that the company can keep growing. So hiring talent is a huge piece of that. Um, and then also sharing the brand story and being able to talk more and more about what you're doing. Also, I think helps open up and break down some of the like complexities around what we do. Like tax, it's different than like a messaging app where you just log on and send a message, tax is complicated. So if, the more we talk about um, the simplicity and the structure, the easier it is to sort of break down the walls and the panic around it, um, which is another piece of why it's important, I think, for us to be brand present. And then obviously you gotta sell. You gotta sell your product. <laughs> Somebody has to. So getting out there and talking about it helps to do that. I love I love that that at the end, making sure you're selling the product and uh, yeah. you, you, you uh, Showing like, hey, like once you put the word out there, you saw people investors actively engaging you. Yeah. Um, and I know that you're spending the you're spending this money wisely because your team is growing. I always like yeah. seeing where, where companies' teams are growing, and you actually have roles open now. Yeah. Uh, so so talk a little bit about how you because the one of the most important hats that you wear as a founder is building out your team. Absolutely. And uh, putting people in a position to do some of those other things so that you can focus yeah. on being that sales, that sales engine for the business. So Certainly. talk a little bit about uh, like how you think through hiring, adding to yeah. your team. Like, well, what's the dynamic that day to day, you know, as, as, as people work at Compliant? Yeah, I'll take you back a little bit. When I hired the first few people that I hired, the first three hires I made was to do the things I couldn't do or didn't know how to do. So I am not a CTO. I'm not. I learned how to code very minimally, but I am not a developer in any way, shape, or form. So the first person I needed to hire was someone that I could take off of the contractor that I had building the tool and putting them on to actually owning it in-house. So it was structurally for me filling seats that I wasn't good at. I'm not a good marketer.
So I know I needed a marketer to come in and do that work. And then after that, it was about filling seats based on need. So if majority of the work every day that's like draining my team is like customer success, we need to hire for that area so that we can fill it out. Hiring is such an interesting thing because you're not just filling needs that need to happen now, but you're filling growth goals that need to happen six to eight to 12 months from now. And I think that sometimes we think about hiring very immediate, but when you get in the founder space of like, now I've got some money, I've raised some funds. It's not just immediate. It's who's going to get us to month 12. Who's going to make sure the next five or six or seven build out goals are done and done effectively. What pieces do we need around the table to make sure we get to the next milestone successfully. And then being able to assess the talent you have and where their weaknesses are so that you can fill. I think we're always also very scared to hire, especially when we're self-funded because we're like, I don't have the money. You know, I can't justify paying somebody's salary. I barely pay myself. I will say the first person I paid to do anything for compliant, I had not raised any money for. I was paying them out of my own pocket and I needed them to do tax research because I did not have the time. I was still running my tax practice. And so for me, I couldn't afford not to have that person. It costed me money. Compliant wasn't making a dollar when I hired that person, but I knew what I was going to get back from them in the long run was way more valuable than the math, not mathing, right? I think we think about hiring, like if I can make enough money, I can hire, but sometimes you have to sacrifice and invest to hire so that you can reap the reward of what that person is going to do for you, especially if it affects your bottom line. If you're not a very good salesperson, Hire someone that is a good salesperson that can coach you on some tips so that you can start to bring money in. If you're not a good marketer, maybe you hire someone cheaply to help you build out a marketing structure so that you can make money. If you're having trouble filling orders, you hire talent so that you can then fill orders faster so you can get more, right? So it's hiring in spaces where you know it will ultimately get you to a bottom line effect. I think that the thinking about that is a little bit off. I hear sometimes like, I can't afford to hire. You can't afford not to. If you're losing money, you can't afford not to. That's a tough concept uh, for people mm -hmm. to wrap their heads around mm -hmm. there, Shawa. As, mm -hmm. as, you, as you well know, um, mm -hmm. what you got to spend money to make money. Um, you do. Scared money don't make no money. Yeah, uh -huh. it's like, it's crazy how many times I've seen that, like, play out in, in my own life. Yeah. Even with the podcast. Uh, stuff ain't cheap, but it's like, hey, if you want quality, you want to get the message out, like, go ahead and spend, yeah. you know, invest some money into it and then figure out on the back end how you can make some of that money back. I think the that, cool part exactly. is that when you invest that money, it almost like it almost forces you to be like, OK, like think about pricing and how you're like, all right, I'm not giving my stuff away for free. Right. Exactly. And so um, exactly. Exactly. Forces you to restructure. Exactly. Yeah. But it's that once you once you flip the switch, it's like it's like a whole new world. Um, oh man, I I used to the the math I give myself and I used to give old clients is I would say think about your day. If it's ten hours or fifteen hours in a day that you're dedicating to your work, you're the sole employee, and how much it would cost you to take five of those hours off your day, and then whatever that price is, spend those five hours making that money back by doing actual stuff, the things that make you money, right? Take the five, like if you're spending five hours a day doing administrative posting on social media, pay a contractor to do that for you for that five hours. They're probably going to do it faster, which means you're probably going to get it done cheaper than what the time you are spending doing it. And then take that five hours you just saved yourself and go find ways to bring more money into the company so that you can make that money back like 
We can't we can't afford not to. Oh, those gems. <laughs> you dropping bars. I, 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 I love it, Shalom. Seriously, like, I, I'm, sure. I'm so glad. Uh, I think of Beyond Normal as like a soapbox, right, for, for founders <laughs> like yourself to just come here and tell us, like, what we need to hear. And that, like, as you're doing that, my ears are just ringing right now. Ah, wonderful. So I, love, I, I, I love that. <laughs> um, so I know you have a lot in the works for compliant yeah. Yeah. Uh, some things that are coming down the pipeline. You want to give folks a glimpse into like what's yeah. coming next um, for for, yeah. for those who are looking to uh, leverage compliant uh, for, yeah. for, for their business needs. Yeah, a few things. So we are in the process of working with some local cities. Um, we call them municipalities or jurisdictions that run basically li business licensing and business permitting processes. Um, what we saw during COVID was a lot of people missing out on grants because a lot of the municipal grants that they were offering, if you live in a major city or anywhere near one, you probably had an opportunity to get like a $5,000 grant or whatever they had, COVID money for small businesses. A lot of businesses got cut out of that process because they weren't very simply they didn't have business licenses, mm -hmm. which was a structural requirement at that level. The IRS had no structural requirement except that you were a business, but at the municipal level, it was like, you have to have a business license. So a lot of people didn't get to participate in that. So we found ways to partner with several cities to be able to connect the dots for small businesses that are maybe operating like side hustlers and getting them into business licensing structures. Because what you'll find with a license is either cheap or free. 25 bucks, 50 bucks, maybe. And we're still not doing it. I don't know if it's because of lack of information or what, but we are definitely missing out on funding opportunities by not having that. So that's next on the plate for us is to start partnering with more and more municipalities to grow that. Um, the next thing we want to work on doing is filing automation. So a lot of the sort of forms, returns, um, renewals, things like that, they're still very much paper heavy and so we want to work on automating sort of these paper heavy processes especially now that we're taking in so much data from the user we want to be able to use that to sort of auto populate forms and then take the headache out of sort of the constant form filling and is this something I should be doing and is this fraud or not and then I didn't even know I didn't get that thing in the mail so just sort of taking over some of that burden off the user so we can really create an end-to-end -end tax processing tool um, so that's that's where we're headed. More education, more offerings, yeah. more partnerships. Yeah, I, I uh, this is uh, near and dear to my heart uh, because I want to spend as little time uh, on my taxes as possible. So like you said, gotcha. that back of envelope map where I say, hey, how much is my time? <laughs> and a tool exactly. like Compliant is just in time for me. Yeah, uh, exactly. This was the first year I had to do uh, any sort of business taxes and yeah. it was uh, painful before oh, I got no. Compliant. Yes, it was very Well, painful. hopefully next year we can do it for you. Yes. Um, so... I want to pass it to you. How can folks yeah. stay up to date with those changes yeah. and, when, and when things are rolling out, um, yeah. stay in tune with the brand? So if you visit us at compliant.co, C-O, we compliant with a Y, by the way, and we um, have a running newsletter link. I believe it's a pop-up or it's at the bottom or something like that. Drop your email. We don't spam you, but it's the best way we can tell you about what's happening, what's coming up, what's dropping, what we just dropped, whether it's webinars, education, blogs, new features, um, new promos, all of that happens via our newsletter. So uh, the best bet would be to do that. You also can find us all over socials. We're everywhere, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Compliant um, or Compliant app. And me too, I'm somewhere, Twitter. <laughs> Shiloh, oh, hey, 
Johnson. <laughs> are, are you the only Shiloh Johnson? No, I'm sure I'm not. Okay. I don't know, maybe, but I, I doubt it. <laughs> yeah, okay. But I can at least say uh, I should always shout out the founders that are on. When I Google your brand and you have that first page on lock, Oh yeah. Shiloh, you got that first page on lock. So that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I always sure. love seeing that. It's just an easy way. Whenever somebody's searching yeah. on Google, you know how we get all the ads and just the mm -hmm. competitors and things like that that yeah. pop up before the thing that you yeah. want. For you, yeah. it seems like you got that first page on lock. So that's awesome to see. Yeah. Thanks um, to Google Analytics. Yep. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, the last thing, you know, I want to uh mm -hmm. thank you for coming sure. on the platform. But lastly, I want to pass it to you one more time. Like, what's that yeah. lasting thing uh, as the folks listening, like, need to take away from this conversation? Did all the gems you dropped, but, you know, what's that thing you want them to take moving forward? Um, don't be afraid, right? Don't be afraid of the things that you don't know how to do or the things no one ever taught you or the things that you feel are keeping you from starting or going past where you are right now. I know we get stuck. Don't be afraid. We live in an era that did not exist 30 years ago that you literally can Google anything. You can figure out anything. All you have to do is adapt a spirit of learning. You can do it. I don't care how old you are. I don't care what you, you didn't learn how to read. You can't all the way do. I don't care. You can watch videos. You don't even have to read. We have entered the age of information. It is there for you. Don't be afraid. And further, always verify. Just because you saw it on Instagram does not make it truth and law. Connect with actual professionals that like went to school to do the thing that you're trying to get some clarity on. And oftentimes, um, I think people forget like bartering is not a gone extinct function. If you do something that someone else may want to take advantage of, barter your time. If you're a social media genius, say, listen, I don't have the money to pay you, but I will manage your Instagram account for two months or clean up your Twitter page or whatever you want to say in order for you to tell me some basics about how I need to set up my books or something like that. Don't assume that money is the only currency. You have information, you have skills, you have resources, something you do better than most. That is a form of currency as well. So please just assess your skills. And if you don't know what they are, get a notebook and start writing down, what do I not hate doing? And then from that not hate list, something might jump out at you like, actually, I like doing that more than I thought I did. And that's a skill you either should work on developing or really take pride in because it's worth something. It is. Even if you're not charging anyone, it is worth something. The second thing I want to mention is don't undersell yourself. I cannot tell you how many of us are charging pennies in comparison to what someone else might be. We don't think what we're doing is valuable or we think it's too easy for us. And people are not paying you for the level of like complexity or the difficulty for your expertise. And if you know how to do something better than most, if you could shoot a jump shot better than everybody on your block, you need to be charging to teach people how to shoot a jump shot. And not because it's easy for you, but because you have a skill. Like don't undercut or undersell or undervalue yourself because you think it's not like, well, that was too easy for me to do. So I should only charge 50 cents. I don't care if it took you four seconds. Charge $275 because that's what the going rate is. Yeah. And understand that also when you devalue yourself, you teach people to devalue you. And that's something you want to make sure you're not doing. I will almost not go to someone if they're too low priced because I am concerned that you don't value the work that you're doing. And that, therefore, I'm going to get subpar work, right? So just be mindful. If you're not sure what people are charging, ask. Yeah. 
ask or pretend you are a consumer and apply for whatever they're offering and then see what they charge you. And then use that as a base. If you think that your skills are comparable, stop underselling yourself. Okay. I love it. No, I love, that's the perfect way to end it. That's a, the, a mic drop moment. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're very welcome. And, and thanks for everybody tuning in to the Beyond Normal podcast. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you.